What causes burnout, and how can we stop it before it gets started? I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. Well, thanks, Chess. Yeah, today we're going to talk about maintaining a resilient mindset throughout our working lives to reduce potential burnout. As always, we hope the time you spend with us will help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and your personal life. And with us today is our new friend, Dr. Marie-Hélène Pertier, a workplace mental health expert, psychologist, advisor, and speaker. MH holds a PhD and an MBA and brings a mix of business and clinical expertise to the groups that she works with. She translates psychology research about health, resiliency, and overcoming challenges into strategies professionals, business leaders, and their teams need to thrive. Welcome to the show, MH. We are delighted to have you on our podcast. And I'm delighted to be here as well, Chester and Adrian. Well, we're excited because you bring such a, a, a wealth of background and experience in this. And look, anxiety is a complicated subject. You know, there's lots of different definitions depending on the context. You know, sometimes it's used to describe a feeling. Sometimes it describes this disordered pattern of thoughts and behaviors. So in the context of anxiety in the workplace, how do managers and leaders describe anxiety? It's interesting because some of them will work very hard not to even talk about anxiety. They'll start with this um, because they have literally been told all their life, even in their personal life initially and then at work, that they are a rock. They are the team's rock. They are the family's rock, the group of friends rock. And as and then so much so that they have adopted almost that uh, identity and therefore when there is potentially anxiety going on, they don't actually acknowledge it as anything and certainly not as anxiety because they're a rock. So I'll start with this. But if they were to go a couple of notches further until usually until the pain is a bit more present, until the signs are a bit more felt, then they'll usually think of it in their head as normal pressure, normal tension, again, trying to minimize it. It's, it's, that's, uh, it comes with the territory almost for a lot of professionals and leaders. Understandably, right? We can understand it. But then as it becomes more, amazingly, back to your point, uh, Chester, about the, the sort of overall mental health stigma that we're trying to decrease, when it keeps going further, instead of getting to a point of acknowledgement, they then just say, I'm a wreck. They go to the other hand. So they go from rock to wreck. And there's no in-between. In their head, no, until we talk more about it. Um, but uh, initially, that's how they think about it. Excellent. You know, something we've noticed about workplace anxiety is how effective this idea of resilience can be at, at really helping people overcome their anxiety and, and the negative effects that that can have on them. Does resilience affect anxiety levels or does it just make it easier to handle? That's a great way to position that question. I think I'd probably say both um, because one of the ways to think about anxiety, and I know you two talk about this a lot, but one of the ways to, to think about it in the simplest way, in a way that often my, my business clients get, is to think of it just in terms of supply and demand and that ratio being very off where the demands are way bigger uh, in amount, quantity or overall pressure than the supply they can bring. 
we can talk about how we do that and what represents demand. That's another problem sometimes. Um, but that's how the anxiety comes, right? And so as we're building our resilience over here, we're in effect increasing our supply, which is not, here's the other trap for most professionals and leaders, it's not an immunity to feeling anxiety. All it does is it brings that ratio to a slightly better place and allows us to think better about what we may want to do next. Is this a matter of me bringing in more supply? Is this a situation where the context I'm in is not healthy or toxic or impossible to meet by any human? Um, but even to deal with this, even when the problem is not uh, in you or only in you, sometimes it is in a context, we need to deal with it still. So building that resilience helps, that overall equation. So it's an interesting one because uh, this week I'm going to go speak to, I think, a few hundred physicians. And uh, um, and you think about resilience. This is a really resilient group. They have they have gone through, you know, dozens of years of schooling and they've gone through, you know, they've missed family events. They've, you know, they work in an extremely stressful job. And then, you know, they go through COVID and they, they still keep going. And so, you know, it's, it's an interesting interesting group that, 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 you know, you think about healthcare, and yet they are still getting burnout. So even the most resilient people are facing burnout. So, so if you think about resilience, um, what is it? And, and how do we, how do we get more of this so we can combat uh, this idea of burnout? It's a great observation. I work with physicians as well uh, and other types of heroes in various industries, but physicians, we often, we know, right? How uh, all the things you said, literally. Um, and here's the thing, I'm actually in the process of writing a book. One of my chapters is you're fabulous and at risk. <laughs> and that describes this group and, and many of us, um, uh, many of you in that sense. Yes, you are fabulous. You have been resilient. You're resilient still in a number of ways and you're at risk still because you're human. Right? Mm. So um, in one of the things with any of us in healthcare who have this information, they have the information about what would increase their resilience. I speak to physicians. So I have physicians in my psychology practice, in my coaching practice. I speak to groups of physicians. It's not because we know it that we do it or that we need it less. We're all humans still, right? So there's that. And to come to the last point in your question about, okay, so how do we build it so that we are going to be resilient and that's it? And here's the key thing. Resilience is not a given or a personality trait. And that's one of the key aspects I work with professionals and leaders on and, and in my talks as well, that you need to have a plan that plan needs to be strategic, just like we do in business. You don't just go about, oh, this is my action, I'm gonna do it. You're strategic, right? You think about supply, demand, context, for external forces, internal forces, changes, and you adapt your strategic plan. Same thing for your resilience. So yes, you may be, say, a physician or any of you, extremely resilient at moments in time, but the reality is that life and its demands, its sources of supplies vary. And so what we need today, what I need today, what you need today, may be different from last week and is probably different from next week. And the more we pay attention to this and adjust, the better. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting to me, uh, MH, because 
we think of resilience as a trait. Like some people are more resilient than others, right? It's just it's in your DNA or or it's not. So uh, what you're saying is resilience really is a finite resource, isn't it? You 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 burn it up and then you've got to rebuild it. You burn it out. You 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 rebuild it. Did I did I get that right? Ah, uh, it's um. It probably has an element of a bit more mm, flexibility and adaptability than just saying finite in that sense. But what I like about the finite term is that it forces us to say, well, I need to constantly replenish. And yes, we need to constantly replenish. The, the, the part where I'm going with a little nuance is that every time we learn and grow and get better at maintaining it, even if we're having like 20 demands in one minute, we're actually building on that resilience muscle, that ability to go back faster at smaller scales of increments to make it better. So, so let me ask you, so how do I rebuild that supply? You know, I, I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really resilient. Now I've got to lay off half my workforce. And... Hey, I'm your only workforce. So how... <laughs> <laughs> actually, Adrian, yes, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Uh, so, so, and, and now I'm drained. So how do I fill that reservoir of resilience? What are some of the tactics, the practical things that yes. people can do? Well, yes, and this is going to therefore help both of you. <laughs> um, no, and all of us, really. So here's the first thing on, on this. I'm reading, of course, all day, every day, academic and industry writings, uh, wide gray literature, everything. And what I'm seeing these days is something along the lines of, you know, about resilience, going sort of beyond, and I'm saying this with quotation marks, beyond exercise and nutrition and sleep, yeah. for example, and stay right there. Like if resilience was a mathematical equation, these three, and I'm going to add a fourth variable, the fourth one is uh, relationships, investing in, in relationships we, we value. These four variables would account for most of the variance here. So even though we would like something magical, like just tell me to do this and poof, it's going to, no, 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 no. There are a number of other things. These are not the only variables, but they account for most of that variance. Mm. Therefore, to your question, Chester, I'll give you the Olympic level first and then all the other versions, but the Olympic level is over a week. We're exercising five times, half an hour. We're doing a mix of cardio strength training and meditative type activity like yoga or meditation. We are eating well at each meal, magnificent. One of the, I was at the, uh, attending one of my continuing education credits that I need to do for my own profession. Um, but it, was, it was done by the American Psychological Association and the American Nutrition Association combined and sharing the data about the choices we make in every single meal. And one of the key um, quick uh, suggestions they were saying is go for color, how colored is what you've got in your plate. The more color, the better. Simple as that. There are even assessment tools that are called your food and mood journal. That's how connected these are. So that's a second. Uh, sleeping seven to eight hours each night, and I can share with you the things people don't do about that that creates a problem. And then investing in uh, relationships, just people you enjoy spending time with. How often have you done this? So these are the quick, initial ways to do something. And then sometimes people tell me, I don't have time for any of these things. Yeah. Well, that's another conversation. But sometimes some ways to start very small is to say, all right, 
we all wash our hands even more now than we used to. It's a good thing. We wash them more often and longer. Perfect. While you do this, five deep breaths, starting with exhaling. It's not going to take more time. You're already doing it. Yes. So it's finding these, these elements so that they will be present. There are many others like pleasurable activity is a technical term. People sometimes will discount it as well. No, no, I've got work. I've got family and all this. No, <laughs> pleasurable activity is something you need to do. And if you were clinically depressed, it would be part of your treatment. Absolutely. These are examples. So how do people learn more about your work, MH? Yes. The, um, well, LinkedIn is a great place. Uh, certainly DRMH Peltier um, or my website, uh, DRMH Peltier, P-E-L-L-E-T-I-E-R.com. Um, these are the best places usually. Yes. I want to turn to, to leaders for a moment because we've been talking about individuals. That's been really great. And But effective team leaders seem vo very focused lately on how to create mental safety in the workplace. That's a good thing that we haven't seen before the pandemic. So if there's a silver lining, that was good. So so how do leaders help their employees, the people who work for them, feel more resilient and, and mentally safe uh, despite all that's going on in the world around them? Uh, fabulous conversation because when we think of resilience in general in the, in the work context particularly we want to think about the individual and that's probably why you started there you're completely right this is where we need to start and we it also includes it's a system so it includes our teams and the overall organization sometimes the overall industry or even the country people are in right so it's, it's a bigger uh, system that influences this entire state um, as a leader in, in supporting our overall team's uh, mental health and, and resilience, you're, you're right. You, a good direction is to think about psychological safety. Now, what will create psychological safety are components um, like creating um, uh, conversations about the importance of uh, mental health itself. Um, allowing people to influence part of their situation. Like we're hearing a lot about, of course, the working virtually, hybrid, in person. And, and then also in, uh, offering opportunities for people to contribute, um, shaping some of how things are done, uh, bringing in more recognition. Sometimes that's an action that but people worry about um, things being complicated or expensive. Recognition is very small. All it needs is for someone to say, like me right now, Cheston and Adrian, you're making this interview a lot of fun for me to do. I'm feeling engaged. I appreciate it. And that's true. See, to hmm, five seconds. And it's good. We know it influences how happy we feel in working together. Yeah, that's usually more Adrian than me, actually, that makes it fun, you know, with that yeah, dry sense of humor. Okay. And, and by the way, before we move on, I, I want to address the elephant in the room. People are saying, is that an Irish accent? Is that a Scottish accent? No, no. MH grew up in, in Quebec. Uh, Adrian and I both grew up in Canada. It's, it's Quebec, not Quebec. At least that's the way I say it. But she is coming to us live and in color from beautiful downtown Vancouver, British Columbia, which makes you one of the luckiest people <laughs> on the planet that you live in Vancouver. I, I got that right, did I not? You got everything right. And yes, <laughs> being from the East Coast, I do have to say, when I fly back here and it's green at this time of year where everyone on the East Coast <laughs> is white, um, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. And here the snow is where we want it, in the mountains. In the mountains, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you've talked a little bit already about these mindfulness uh, self-care practices yeah. and how effective it can be. 
Uh, tell us more about why those habits are useful in the workplace environment and how leaders, as you said, like as you're washing your hand, what are some more practical ideas? How can they implement them in what is already a pressure-packed and busy day? Yes. Um, some of this, the overall strategies to consider uh, in, in terms of um, for, for leaders is to, and it's in part because we're post-pandemic with additional changes and all the chaos that sometimes feels like it is, but it's also considering the new generation that's coming to the workplace. This new generation, much like everyone else, mostly because of the pandemic, but they are even more so, as we all are more so, I think, looking for our purpose, ways in which what we bring is a unique contribution, ways in which we can optimize our mental health. So the more as leaders, we can help them see that, ask them what they value, what they want to bring and help them reach this. Sometimes it's in these conversations that we'll figure out what's the next great professional development opportunity, for example, right? Um, or it could be, how do we take better breaks when we are, depending on the work that's done, of course, but sometimes people will need micro breaks. Sometimes people will need solid boundary for a 10 minute uninterrupted personal time in the office or away from the office. It, I would say the, the, the potentially most useful guideline is for the leader to ask more questions than ever and listen more than ever for what each individual, I know it's more work, I know it's different from before, no choice. If you don't do it, you're not going to keep your people. It's going to be hard to attract the younger generations and keep them and even keep the ones you have now. So the higher level direction would be this. And then you can involve the group back to involvement and influence that I spoke about earlier. Sometimes it could be in the team meeting saying, let's figure out together how on our general, you know, once a month, whatever the frequency is meeting, we're going to take turn and bring a two minute section of a podcast, maybe yours, uh, or, or a video on YouTube, whatever, that spoke to them in terms of supporting their mental health, for example. We share this, we have a conversation, we go. Could be as simple, if you have even less time, as, as a leader, you bring to your team an example of one of the resources that we all here in this organization have access to. Are we aware of what's a phone number for our employee and family assistance program? If we were to consult a psychologist and get reimbursed, how does that work? Conversations like this, simple to the point, normalizing, back again to your comment about decreasing the stigma, uh, and you're contributing to an overall culture where, yeah, we can talk about this, we do, it's normalized, we are proactive, probably because of all this, using the resources, and overall building even more resilience and maintaining it, which then, could make a lot of people want to stay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what are some of your personal practices? You've given us your big five or the big four uh, to do. So uh, what works for you? We know that every individual is just a little different. Yes. Um, well, the first thing I'll say is that, number one, I try to practice what I preach. And, <laughs> uh, and part of what I preach uh, is being flexible on this because that's the reality again speak about professionals and leaders mm. i'm a professional and a leader and so yes there are days where being on the west coast and working a lot with different time zones on the planet there are and i'm a morning person thankfully but some days are like extreme lark level right and so that means no i'm not gonna have my half hour in this moment 
Well, one of the things that I say, and we know from research on habits, is it's much better to maintain a very small portion of something than to just not doing it. My phrase for this is anything is better than nothing. Yeah. So Good. what that could look like for me is, all right, instead of my half hour, I'm doing four minutes of my exercises in the house, not outside. I'm doing four minutes yoga and I'm breathing five as opposed to doing my 11 minute meditation. Mm -hmm. So it's just a all scale down, but it's not zero. It's there. And as soon as I can tomorrow, following day, I'm back. So it's for me, I think what helps overall the most is trying to do all this sometimes with more success than others. Again, well, human. Um, but the flexibility is, I think, uh, perhaps my secret weapon. <laughs> I love that idea, too. Yeah. Don't don't beat yourself up if you're if you're not getting your full uh, meditation, workout, sleep in, etc. You know, move on and start again. This has been such a great conversation, MH. So you've been studying mental health, anxiety, etc. a long time. If you had just, you know, elevator right up to tell us something important that you want us to take away and our listeners to take away, what, what would that be? Um, can I say two? Absolutely. Say. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. Um, so one thing I'll tell you, I'm telling you this one because so many people I work with click with it fast is when, especially when we're feeling anxious, try to separate the probability with from the possibility. Because sometimes we're anxious because we're worried about something catastrophic happening, right? And we think that the likelihood of it happening is very high, and therefore we get very anxious. And if we just try to tell ourselves it's going to be fine, no, we know it may not be fine, so it doesn't work. But if instead you say, yes, is this a possibility that whatever, I'll get fired? Sure, I mean, right? It's a possibility. Is it probable? No. There is a way these things happen. We have not had these conversations so far. And so the likelihood is actually fairly low. Now we're resetting, yeah? So that's one. But the second thing is stay curious. Curious about all the ways every day that you can maintain as much supply building habits, if I can use that language, such that, back to something we've talked about today, we're constantly nourishing it. And that way, that habit becomes a bit more regular, and we're ensuring that even though the, the demands go up and down, we're always feeding it, we're always adding. And by staying curious, you'll find good ideas. That is such great advice. Thank you so much. Our guest today has been Marie-Hélène Pelletier. She's a doctor, a psychologist. She studies. She is a speaker. So if you're looking for a great speaker, I don't. Uh, you can't see here like Adrian and I can. I mean, she is energetic. She is engaging. She is more fun than you should be allowed. Uh, look her up and book her for your conference. <laughs> this has been so much fun to talk with you. Uh, I do have one last question, as Adrian says. With me, it always comes back to hockey. So are you a Canadian <laughs> fan or have you converted to be a Vancouver Canuck hockey Canadian. fan? Canadian. <laughs> Les habitants. Les habitants. C'est magnifique. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks so much for being on our podcast. You've been beyond delightful. Thanks, Amy. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you to you both. Well, Chess, uh, terrific thoughts here from, you know, an expert in mental health, really telling us some, you know, some things that push our, our thinking a little bit here. So tell me what you took away. 
You know, we've heard this a lot. I thought it was a great refresher that so often we feel like we've got to be the rock. Yeah. We've got to be the one that everybody comes to. We can't have any flaws. We can't ever be anxious. We can't be the one that's asking for help. And and I think that was a, a, a great a great reminder that we we translate it, right? We say, I'm not anxious. It's just the pressure of the job, and we yeah. minimize it rather than addressing it. That was a great reminder for me. And I thought so, too. And, and that, you know, this idea of you're fabulous and at risk, because we, we tend to right. feel like, oh, he or she or, or they have anxiety or they don't. But no, we're all at risk. And, you know, you and I, we've had moments of, while we, we may not have an anxiety disorder, we have moments throughout our careers where we have felt overwhelming anxiety that's affected our lives. And so what she talked about was this idea of resilience. In a way, you have to fill the, fill the bucket back up when, when it gets drained. Yeah, that it's not a trait, it's a plan. Yeah. You know, it, it, you're not born with it. It's not innate. You yeah. have to figure it out. I, I loved her for um, help, mental health practices, yeah. you know. And, and we, we've heard these before. What I appreciated is that she went into more detail. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just exercise. It was five and a half hours of exercise every week. You know, it wasn't just eating. It was magnificent meals. I love the way mm. her enthusiasm came out. And eat for color. More orange, Adrian. I'm Which is you. why I eat More a lot orange. of Skittles, you know, because there's, <laughs> there's a lot of color. And, a ra- uh, and, a and, rainbow of and colors. And jelly yeah. beans. I mean, there's a lot. Of <laughs> Obviously, very good for your mental health. Or, uh, she um, sleeping seven to eight hours a week. That, to me, was a wonderful reminder. You yeah. know, I, I think if I get six, I'm good. And you know what? It's, it's just not enough. And then lastly, and we've heard this in, in yeah. many different places, uh, be diligent and, and be, you know, very um, thoughtful about your relationships. Mm-hmm. Who haven't you talked to lately? Uh, those deep and meaningful relationships that really do let us know that we've got a support group. We've got a, a team behind us, somebody that's cheering for us. Well, yeah. and I think, too, the, the importance is she's saying, look, you know, they are foundational. We've heard them all before, but they do account for most of the variables. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the issues are going to come from not living up to these. So work on these. And I thought that was terrific as well. Then we move to the idea of managers. What can they do to create psychological safety? Uh, again, these are things we've talked about in our book, Anxiety at Work, but they're so foundational. Create conversations about mental health. And like she said, you know, is there a little 30-second, two-minute YouTube or podcast that you could play to the group and say, here's how this impacts me and my thinking about it? I love that. Um, opportunities to shape how they do their work, giving people a voice. And finally, this idea of recognition. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, <laughs> Yeah, that struck me too. I, uh, sorry, I'm still having a hard time getting over the rainbow of Skittles as, as, <laughs> as a mental health practice that would actually work. Um, yeah, yeah, the recognition piece, it takes you no time to say thank you. You know, it takes you no time to, yeah. to say, hey, hey, great job. Um, and then she said, uh, take your micro breaks, you know, yeah. as a leader, uh, just a little break to listen, just a little break to, to, to decompress. Uh, and lastly for me was she said, look, uh, I know these these are the four things you should do. And if you can't get in five and a half hours, that's okay. Yeah. Get in 20 minutes. If you can't do 30 minutes of yoga, do four minutes of yoga. Uh, I really like when she said about meditation. If you can't do 30 minutes, I do 30 seconds, which is right when I start to get anxious when I do my meditation is right after 
that 30 second break. I, I thought uh, her her advice was was great. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, the last one would be you know this this idea, and there's there's so much in there. You know, listen again. You know the, how we how we manage the new generation, et cetera. But yeah, the last one was when you're feeling anxious, se- separate possibility from probability. Really good. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a really good thought. We've heard that in different ways, but I like the punchiness of 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 what MH is saying there because and, and this is also for leaders to be able to, to talk with their people. They may be worrying and Get them to trust you. Get them to open up. What is it that you're afraid of? Um, I'm afraid of losing my job. Okay. As she said, well, there's a process we go through before we fire anybody here. And it's usually <laughs> weeks and months of coaching. And So you will know if you're ever going to get into that. You know, you reduce the, the probability. Yeah, it's possible. But there's a whole process that goes on here. So you're helping your people and you're helping yourself as well. It's great takeaways. Yeah, and stay curious, you know, be yeah. curious and, and look for different ways. Well, a special thanks, a little bit of recognition, as MH recommended to us, to our producer, Brent Klein, who makes these podcasts sound so wonderful, and to Christy Lawrence, who helps us find amazing guests. And, of course, to all of you who listen in to our podcast, we're really grateful for your time. If you like the podcast, please share it. We'd also love you to visit thecultureworks.com. That's thecultureworks.com for some free resources And we love speaking to audiences around the world on culture, teamwork, resilience. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about your event. Yeah, and if you've been paying attention, you'll never look at a bag of Skittles the same way again when it comes to mental health. Hey, listen, we really appreciate your time. Share this podcast with friends and family. We are mission-driven in helping to reduce anxiety in the workplace. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day full of great mental health. Mm -hmm.